Good morning. Let's uh, take our seats. Oh, I didn't even have to tell you that, huh? You guys just took your seats. Uh, does everybody have a handout? There are some handouts back here. Everybody got one? Yeah? We're going to be reciting the catechisms. All right. Uh, let's open in prayer. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, <clears throat> we do pray that you would, by your spirit, uh, be in our midst this morning. Encourage our hearts. Lord, we, pr- we pray that... Uh, you would receive the glory and the honor uh, among us um, as we as we study this latter part of the prayer. Lord, we pray for your blessing. Uh, come down to us. Uh, help us uh, by your Spirit. In Jesus' name, Amen. Uh, so this morning we're concluding our study uh, on not only the Lord's Prayer but also the the entire Heidelberg Catechism. We've made it. That, that's a, quite an accomplishment. Uh, yeah, last week we looked at question and answer 127. Now we're looking at the last two questions, questions 128 and 129. And, you know, it's, it's been our pattern um, to read and recite together uh, these question and answers. So if you have your your bulletin outline. I'll read the question and then we'll, we'll read together the answers. Question 128. How do you close this prayer? For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. That is, all this we ask of you because as our king having power over all things, you are willing and able to give us all good, and that thereby, not we, but your holy name may be glorified forever. Uh, Question 129. What is the meaning of the word amen? Amen means, so shall it truly and surely be. For my prayer is much more certainly heard of God than I feel in my heart that I desire these things of Him. Okay, so by way of introduction, what did we talk about last week if you were here? What did we talk about last week? Anything stand out to you at all? Rex? Lead us not into temptation. Did anything, did you learn anything from that lesson? I know David got to uh, recite a little bit about the Exodus story. So that, that was fun, right? You at least learned that. Anybody? What did we learn? That God does lead us 
trials, but he never tempts us to sin. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, uh, we said that God often uh, leads us into temptation. Uh, remember we read from Matthew 4. What happened in Matthew 4? Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Uh, yet, we, we said that when God brings us into a place of temptation, uh, He's never the one who entices us to, to, to sin or to commit evil. Um, who tempts us? Who tempts us? The world, the flesh, and the devil. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Threefold uh, temptation, right? It's, it's never God. Uh, but why does God bring us into temptation? To test us. That's good. Yeah, well, what's the point of testing? Strengthen our faith, yeah. Sanctification. Sanctification. Manifest His glory through us, in, in, in and through us. That's good. Yeah, to, to test our allegiance and our commitment to Him, right? That, that's, that's part of what our faith looks like in, in action. Um, if you weren't here last week, I ended with these words. Uh, God leads you into temptation not because he's a monster, not because he's playing some sick joke on you, uh, but because he wants to refine you. He wants to strengthen your faithfulness uh, to him, that your allegiance to King Jesus might endure and persevere when, when, when hardship uh, comes. Uh, because it is better to undergo temptation, uh, even fall into temptation at a, for a time, than to ultimately renounce Jesus as our King, right? That that's 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 really the meat of why why God sends us into places of temptation, that He might strengthen our faith and commitment to Him, right? Like how how do you know you're committed to Jesus if you've never gone through hardship and temptation? It can't just be all uh, what is it, clouds and, and fluff, right? Sometimes God will lead us into the darkness uh, to show us light. Uh, so this morning, we've arrived uh, at the closing words of the Lord's Prayer. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Uh, does anybody know what verse this is in the Bible? If you know where I'm going... Huh? Matthew 6.14? What's, let's, let's turn there. Matthew 6.14. Anybody read Matthew 6.14 for us? Anybody else have something different? Yep. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. What verse is that? Mark, uh, Matthew 6, 14. 14? Mm-hmm. What's going on here? Anybody? What translation do you have? 
Gary? New American Standard. New American Standard has. New King James. New King James. Yeah. Yeah. Does anybody else know where uh, the other passage, uh, where the Lord's Prayer is at? Luke 11. Let's turn there. Okay, verse 4. Who wants to read that? Which version? The version that you have. Okay. NIV. NIV, yeah. Like, there, there's something off here, right? Like, Gary's translation, um, I think the King James has it, which is based on the King James. Um, it has this ending, right? Um, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. But most of, most of our translations, modern translations, have... You know, in Matthew 6, just kind of end where we left off last time, right? Uh, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So what's, what's going on here? Why do we have these different endings? Yeah. Remember, remember when Gary was, was going through um, his series on, on the Bible? Like, this is one of those, those issues, right? There's a textual critical issue here. Uh, there's, there's debate whether this, you know, thine, um, uh, uh, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever is, is part of the original manuscript or not. Um, it's, it's actually been debated for a long time, so it's not, it's not like a, a new issue or, or something like that. Uh, some of the church fathers, uh, you know, when, when they were commenting on, on the Bible, didn't comment on this, Right? Uh, you, you have people like Tertullian, Cyprian, Origen, and Augustine. Um, you know, maybe maybe they thought it, it wasn't part of the original manuscript. Um, but then we have someone like John Chrysostom. Anybody know who John Chrysostom? Yeah? Who's John Chrysostom? He, he's, he's called the, the golden tongue, I think. Right? Is that right? I, but but he's known for like being a very eloquent preacher, like a church father who who's just really good at preaching. He's just yeah, uh, well known for it. Um, he 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 preached on this passage, right? And then we have Calvin. Uh, Calvin said, even though this is not extant to the Latin versions, it is also it is so appropriate to to this place that it ought not be omitted, namely. That this, his is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Um, I mean, to say the least, I think Chrysostom and, and Calvin both found this this ending useful, right? Uh, yeah. Today, in scholarship, the consensus is that it's probably a later edition made by scribes, right? That, that's the consensus, right? Because it's not, yeah, they could be wrong. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying I, I, I necessarily agree or, or disagree. Uh, 
they, they think this because it's not well attested to the earliest manuscripts we have, like Sinaiticus and, and Vedinaicus. I, I don't know how to say all, all those, but uh, the early manuscripts are, you know, are just missing this little portion. But, but it does appear in later ones, like the, the Washington manuscript in the 5th century. Uh, but more importantly, it also appears in the Didache, or Didache, right? Does anybody know what the Didache is? The first century, right? That's, like, that's really early, right? Yeah, yeah, that's really early. Um, and so the, the, that document is written in the first century. And so early on, we, ha we have Christians already using this formula, right? Um, and so many believe that it was probably put there for, liturgical, for the liturgical use of the church. In other words, it, it was used for, for worship, right? Um, uh, what I want to say is that is that whether it was in the original manuscripts or not, it's hard to tell. We, it, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Um, does, by, by show of hands, does this alarm you or not? Does this bother you? And why does it not bother you or bother you? It's consistent with the rest of Scripture. Okay, good. Anybody else? If it bothers you, why does it bother you? I don't like having to look for it in the footnotes. <laughs> yeah, me too. Does it say in your footnote? I think it does. Let's see. Um, verse 13 in Matthew 6. 4. Yeah. Uh, some manuscripts add for... For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Okay, that's just the extent of my, my note. Um, but yeah, Charlie doesn't look, like looking for it in the, in the footnote. I don't, like, I don't like to look for it in the footnote either. It's kind of mentioned in 1 Chronicles 29. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, you know, if, if this alarms you, it's kind of like when I was talking with my wife about it, she was like, what? This is not, you know, why is this not in my Bible? Um, I, I assure you, like, this, this is a, I agree with Calvin, right? This is, this is a very good thing to pray. It's very fitting to this prayer, right? And, and it's very biblical. And, I, and that's why I think we should, we should keep it. Um, uh, you know, many, in, including myself and Gary, you know, we, we think it comes from First Chronicles 29, right? Uh, this is where, where David prays in the temple just before Solomon is anointed as the next king. Uh, I'll, I'll actually, let's turn to there. First Chronicles chapter 29, 10 uh, through 13. Uh, I want you to listen to the language of this prayer and, 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 and keep in mind the ending um, of the Lord's Prayer. So here's David. Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O God, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. 
Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our, our God, and praise your glorious name. You see all that? I mean, to me, even, even if the earliest manuscripts don't attest to it, I think this is a good thing to pray. I think this is, this is still God's word, right? Um, because we're, we're in, in tandem and in, in conformity to that prayer of David. Uh, so in my opinion, we shouldn't just throw it out just because the early, earliest manuscripts don't necessarily attest to it. I agree with Calvin. Uh, it, it's so appropriate to, to, to end this prayer with this. Uh, but here's what I want, uh, what I think this ending is teaching us. And, and it's kind of our big idea this morning. When we pray, we must not only place our confidence in our king, but also commit ourselves to him. All right? When we pray, we must not only place our confidence in our king, King, Je- king Jesus, but also commit ourselves to him. Now, now notice how it starts. It starts with the word for or because. So now the question is, is what that word is referring to? Is it referring just to the last petition or to the entire prayer? What do you think? Entire prayer. Anybody thinks of just the, the last petition? Okay, well, I, yeah, I, I think you guys are right. I, I think it's pretty clear that it has the whole prayer in mind. It's a summation of the entire thing, right? That when we pray for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, uh, we're talking about the whole thing, the whole prayer. Uh, the reason we can pray the Lord's Prayer is because the kingdom and the power and the glory belongs to God, right? That reality is our foundation for not only praying the Lord's Prayer, but every prayer that we pray. Our foundation is that all of these things belong to God already. All of our prayers hang on God possessing all these things. I mean, think about it, right, with regards to the Lord's Prayer. How can, how can we have confidence that God's name would be hallowed? That His kingdom will come and, he will, and His will will be done? That we'll have bread for today, that we'd have, for, we'd have forgiveness, that we'd be delivered from evil? How can we have confidence in those things if the kingdom, the power, and the glory don't already belong to our God? We can't. But praise be to God that these things already belong to Him, right? So when we're praying, a a sort of reorientation has to happen within us, um, that all these things already belong to Him. They always have, and they always will. I mean, what to say at the tail end of the prayer? Forever, right? It's not that they will come to be possessed by him, or that he, he had them, but then he lost them. But no, he, he forever has all these things, kingdom, power, and glory. All those things eternally belong to him. Uh, this means the kingdom 
coming isn't ultimately dependent on us, right? Because we know the power belongs to Him and not to us. And so that all of our labor and our prayer, we can give all the glory to Him, which already belong to Him, right? Isn't that good news, right? Because as Calvin says, for if our prayers were to be commended to God by our worth, we would even uh, would we uh, even dare mutter in His presence? Right? Isn't that super insightful? I mean, how many of you are, are, are afraid to pray? I mean, really pray, you know, to really lay your hearts before God when you've sinned. When you've done again what you shouldn't have. When you've been unfaithful to King Jesus. Anybody? As it gets me? It's, it's really hard to pray, right? When, when, when over and over again we, we have this besetting sin come after us and, and say, Who are you? <laughs> right? Why should you pray? How can you pray when, when, when I have you in my grips? Right? That's, what, that's, what the, that's the lie of the enemy. Well, I mean, but why are we so hesitant and afraid to pray at those moments? Pride. You feel guilty? Pride? Pride? Anybody else? Unworthy. Unworthy. Okay. Shame. Shame? Yeah, we can keep going. There's, there's, yeah, there's, there's a, lot, a, a, a lot of ways to describe the way we feel when we don't want to pray at those moments. Um, yeah, we, we feel unworthy, right? We feel like God won't listen to us. We feel like big hypocrites, right? Uh, we're going to hear about that in the sermon later. Um, but what does it say about us when we don't come because we feel unworthy? It's self-centered because it isn't about us. It's about God who forgives us in Christ. Yeah, that's, that's really good. That's really good. Yeah, it becomes about us, right? We think we fail, which shows that we think we're the ones that, when we are failing, are holding ourselves. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's such a common Christian experience. I think that's why so many, you know, leave the faith, is because they feel this way, and they feel like they can't come to God anymore, right? But who does God accept? <laughs> The unworthy. We, 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 we say that all the time at the Lord's Supper, right? It's, it's the unworthy who come. And that's what makes us worthy, right? That's that confession that we are unworthy. But that's precisely why we get to come. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, isn't it a reminder that His love for us never changes when we do come? It's infinite and eternal. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, we we can't we can't find our assurance and our confidence in prayer in ourselves, right? Because we are too weak, we are too sinful for that. Um, and so when we pray this. It should take us away from ourselves. Not just this, but every prayer, right? It should take us away from ourselves because it's not about us. Uh, it, it should take us into Him who alone belongs the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. 
Our prayers can rest in our king and not in our human fickleness. Mm-hmm. It begins with praise, and it ends with praise. Yeah, that's good. That's really good, Gary. Yeah, I love that. That's that's good. Yeah, from there's bookends, right, of praise. That's really good. Uh, now, the Lord's Prayer here. If we decide to use this doxology, I I I, I hope you you do use it. Um, ends with that word Amen, right? Of course, we're we're super familiar with this word. Uh, how many of you are not familiar with this word? This is very Christianese, isn't it? Like, every Christian should know the word amen. A- amen, yeah. Uh, we, we tend to end all of our prayers with it, right? We, we sing it in our doxology. And, and some traditions actually yell it out during the sermon, right? Amen. Amen, amen right? Uh, I don't know. This is just my quirk. Like, why do we make fun of people who, who, who do that? Like, some of us do, and, and I might be, I, I'm guilty of that at times, you know. But there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. This is a good word, right? And I want to explain to you why it's a good word. It's, it's, a, it's a phenomenal word. Um, but we need, to, we need to be clear exactly what it means, Right? Amen is actually a transliteration from the Hebrew. Uh, It it can mean uh, a confirmation of the veracity or the truthfulness of a speaker. Right? In fact, we see Jesus using um, this very word in this same way in the beginning of Matthew 6. Uh, Matthew 6, uh, verse 2. Matthew 6, verse 2. Uh, Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, or amen, I say to you, they have received their reward, right? You know, only Jesus uses the word amen in this way in the Bible. He begins with it, amen, and then I'm going to say something. Whereas everything else is like, all these other things, and then we say amen, right? Um, because Jesus is using it as a declarative word. It's, it's the king saying, hear me, right? Listen to me, right? Um, you know, he's basically saying, I, I, I'm telling you the truth. My, my words are true. It's a declaration from the king. Uh, you know what's cool is that Jesus is actually called the Amen. Right? Anybody know where he's called the Amen? Revelation. Yeah. Revelation 3, verse 14. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write the words of the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of God's creation. And so that, that's one way the word amen can mean, right? Uh, and, and, and really, this is quite reserved for Jesus 
Because He is the true one. He is the Amen one who gets to declare to us truth. We're all, we're, we're all of us, you know, we think we have truth, but in some way, in some way or another, we're still, we're still making our way into complete truthfulness, right? Because we haven't arrived yet. Um, but amen can also mean something like, let it be so, or, or I agree. Right? I, I think this is the way the Heidelberg kind of takes it. Uh, and I don't want us to camp on this meeting for a little bit. Uh, amen can be a strong affirmation of what has just been said. So if Jesus says amen and says something, we respond with amen, right? As a, as a, as a word of affirmation and agreement, right? Uh, and so I think in this sense, it's a, it's a, it's a word of response. It's a responsive word uh, by those being addressed. I agree with what you just said, um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm teaching my, my son this word. He doesn't say much. You know, he says dada, mama, and, and, and all that. But uh, whole, that's one of his favorite words. Um, but, but I'm teaching him this word. I, I want him to know this word because it's like, you know, he, we, we pray, um, you know, every, before every meal and, and he clasps his hands and, 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 and I want him to say amen when we close. So he knows the, the, the prayer is done, right? Uh, that, because he's responding. He's responding to what we just, pre- what we just prayed, right? Um, now, I imagine, like, you know, maybe some, some sort of distant future, when I tell him something and I tell him to do something, he says, amen, <laughs> right? And that'd be cool. Kids, if you want to suck up to your parents, when they tell, next time they tell you something, Say amen, amen, amen. I'll, I'll go ahead and do that, right? Uh, let, let's turn to Deuteronomy 27. Deuteronomy 27. Who's there? Anybody there? Already? What? What is the story about? Does anybody remember the story in Deuteronomy 27? Where? Where is Israel? Where? Jordan. Jordan. Okay. More specifically, Mount Ebal. Mount Ebal, right? Mount Ebal, right? You have Moses and the rest of Israel on Mount Ebal, um, and, and here's Moses. He tells he tells the Levites to to yell out a bunch of curses. Kind of, it's kind of a strange picture, right? Like a strange story. Moses could have said. Something else. I don't know. Go, go yell out, go yell out like, like procedures or things like that. But no, he, he, tells, he tells them to yell out a, a bunch of curses. Uh, how do the people respond after every curse that's said? 
Amen. Amen. Right? Um, the people respond by saying, Amen. Uh, I, I know this is kind of long, but let me, let me read it for us, because I, I think, you know, as we read all of these curses, um, let, let, let that word have its gravity. Amen. Because this is the response of the people. Well, it should be the response of the people. Right? Beginning in verse 15. Cursed be the man who makes a carved or cast metal image. Um, an abomination to the Lord, a thing made by the hands of a craftsman, and sets it up in secret. And all the people shall answer and say, Amen. Right? Cursed be anyone who dishonors his father or his mother, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who moves his neighbor's landmark, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who misleads a blind man on the road, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who perverts the justice due to the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who lies with his father's wife because he has uncovered his father's nakedness, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who lies with any kind of animal, and all the people shall say, Amen. Man, those are just wicked things, aren't they? Wow. Um, anyways, cursed be anyone who lies with his sister, whether the daughter of his father or the daughter of his mother, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who lies with his mother-in-law, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who strikes down his neighbor in secret, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who takes a bribe to shed innocent blood, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who does not confirm the words of this law by doing them. You're going to hear about doing um, following God and, and doing his, his word uh, later in the sermon. Uh, so keep that in, in your mind. Um, and all the people shall say, Amen. And so what does this weird event tell us about the word, Amen? Let it be so. Covenantal? Good. Good. What do you mean by, what do you mean by that? Yeah, good, good, yeah, yeah. It, it, it tells us that it's not just some wishy-washy sentiment, right, on our part, but it involves commitment and allegiance to what uh, has just been said. Israel on Mount Ebal, by responding with amen, was saying, we commit ourselves not to make idols, uh, not to dishonor our parents, not to pervert justice, and so on, not to do all those heinous things. Otherwise, those curses will be on our heads. So it's more than just, yeah, a, a verbal affirmation, right? It, it, it's amen is is also a verbal commitment, uh, which means it requires allegiance on our part, right? It, it's like a verbal signature. What are we saying when we sign something? You guys ever sign anything, young kids, younger kids? <laughs> Oath taking, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, 
we're, we're not simply saying that whatever is written is true. We are, we're saying that for sure. But we're also saying that we will commit ourselves to it. Right? Like if you sign a lease, you're not just saying all these things are true and then I can, I can do whatever I want. I can move out you know, tomorrow and not pay the penalty or something like that. No, you're saying, I'm, I'm going to live up to these, right? Uh, this is the same with the Lord's Prayer, you see. Think about it. Every, every part of it is not just some detached statement that we agree with, right? When we pray, when we pray, uh, hallowed be thy name, we're not just hoping that happens. No, we're, we're, we're committing ourselves to live in such a way that his name is sanctified and honored. What about when we pray, thy kingdom come? Are we, are we just supposed to wait idly by and before it comes? Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, we're committing ourselves to the values of the kingdom. That we will live as faithful citizens of heaven. You know what it's called when, when you pray for, for God's kingdom to come and then you live like the world? Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. Get that theme because it's going to be in a sermon. <laughs> right? Um, what about when we pray, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. You see, every aspect of the Lord's prayer calls us to respond in allegiance. Our amen is not only saying, let it be so, but it is also a commitment to do what the king requires of us. Now, I think that's powerful, right? That's powerful. That's something to think about. Uh, but here's the thing. We have to remember our commitment in context. We're, swe- we're swearing allegiance, not because we're so good or strong enough. We, we've just admitted that we're sinners, right? We feel unworthy at times, and we fail over and over. But no, uh, we're not committing ourselves because we're so good. It's because we are so hopeful and certain that the kingdom and the power and the glory belongs to God forever. That's the reason we can respond appropriately, right? I'm calling it a, a, a hopeful allegiance. That there's, there's this hope in the king and, and also simultaneously a response to him. Well, let me, let me end with, with a few thoughts here. Uh, when you end your prayer with the word amen, I think as, as all of us do, does it actually mean something to you? Does it actually mean something to you? Right? Do the, do the prayers that you pray match your life? Do you pray in hopeful allegiance? I think when we do, we become a whole lot more engaged in prayer. Because then we're not just praying with our minds, we're also praying with our hearts and with our will. We're praying as a holistic person. Well, let, let, me, let me try to, you know, uh, let the rubber hit the road a little bit. What are some of the prayers that you pray constantly? 
sanctification. What does it look like to, to pray in hopeful allegiance when we say, Lord, sanctify me? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, when when we pray to be sanctified, right? We're we're not we're not simply leaving it out there, but like we're we're also saying, Lord, I want to commit my life to to pursuing a sanctified life, knowing that all all the kingdom and the power and the glory belong to you already, right? I'm going to live in such a way that I'm I'm going to pursue that. Um. You know, we pray for our loved ones all the time, right? What does it look like to pray in hopeful allegiance when we pray for our loved ones? I mean, I think when we do, we'll find ways to love them and to live out our faith with them, right? To share the love of Christ with them, right? You don't pray for your loved ones and then treat them like dirt. That makes no sense. We pray. We, we pray for mercy. How do you respond appropriately, um, you know, if you're praying for mercy? How do you pray in hopeful allegiance if you're praying for mercy? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I hope you guys are, are getting the pattern here, right? Like, the things that we're praying for, we're also, we're also saying, Lord, let that be true in my life. Let me reflect the way I live with what I just prayed. Lord, show me mercy. Now help me to live and be merciful to other people. Right? That's, that's hopeful allegiance. Um, okay, we'll, we'll end there. Um, but before, before we close in prayer, let me tell you where we're headed for the next couple of weeks and months um, Next week, uh, I'll, I'll teach a, a standalone lesson, uh, since we're, we're finished with the Heidelberg Catechism, uh, a standalone lesson on Messianic monotheism. Ooh, right? Like, I hope that, that I don't know if that's senseless to you, but like, uh, yeah, um, it should be fun. I mean, we're going to be looking at Jesus' relationship with, with, with the one God of Israel, Right? How, do, how does Jesus come in conformity to, to the oneness of God that we find in the Old Testament? Excuse me. Uh, and then in the following week, uh, one of our elder candidates uh, will be teaching for us, uh, Josh Bernson. Uh, I believe he's going to be teaching on the names of God in the Bible. Yeah, yeah, specifically in the context of Psalm 22. That should be... That should be Really good. Um, and then after that, uh, one of our elders, uh, Dave Stodema, um, will be teaching a series on the theme of fear. Right? I, I think that's a, that's, a, that's a theme we all, we all need to hear right now. We all need to wrestle with. Because we live in, in a time where we're in, on every side we're, we're, we're tempted to fear. Right? Uh, so... Dave will be teaching um, for about nine weeks or so, give or take. Um, and then after that, um, 
I will be leading uh, us through the book of Acts. We're going we're gonna to look at, uh, really, God's mission to the world, right? And then, and then see our place and responsibility within that mission. Um, anybody, anybody have any questions before we close in prayer? No? 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 I, ho- I hope you guys think about what praying looks like with hopeful allegiance. Because I'm still thinking about that. And I think it's really good. Okay. Um, for the last time, we'll, we'll, we'll pray the, the Lord's Prayer in closing. Okay, let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.